This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we go. My name is Chuck Wilson. I'm the pastor at New Hope Community Church and been doing a biblical prophecy series, Making Sense of This Crazy World. And we are starting Daniel chapter 2 today. And the title is Nightmare in Babylon. Nightmare in Babylon. Have you ever had a really bad nightmare? Something that really keeps you awake at night, keeps waking you up, maybe a reoccurring dream and you just can't get back to sleep? Well, with 13 children, we've, we've dealt with lots of nightmares, let me tell you. Lots of bad dreams, lots of children climbing into bed. Even sometimes we put, had sleeping bags on both sides of the bed because we had so many younger ones that were having dreams and waking up and wanting to get into bed. We, we wanted to get some sleep because that was a nightmare for us. So we put the sleeping bags one on each side and the kids knew just come slide into their sleeping bags and don't wake us up. Uh, but now we have little Laurel who, uh, won't, won't stay in the sleeping bag. She insists on, being in the bed and and she kicks all night and so her nightmares become our nightmares but she's the cutest thing so uh but we're gonna see a nightmare today in the book of daniel that was actually from god a message that was from god let's pray father just thank you for your word and thank you that we can see what what is going to happen in a sense we can we can see the signs along the way we know that you are in control and we know that we can trust you no matter what we're going through. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is an amazing chapter, chapter 2. It's the history of the world from the time of Daniel to the Revelation. All the way to Revelation, including the coming of Jesus Christ. And four world, so from Daniel to Revelation, all the way up to the time of second coming of Jesus Christ is laid out in this chapter. There are four world empires, which are the times of the Gentiles. They are going to rule God's people until the Messiah comes. This is a time of Gentile domination. In this chapter, chapter 2 and verse 4 shifts from Hebrew. It was started out in Hebrew, but it shifts to Aramaic all the way until chapter 7, verse 28. Why? Because that was the worldwide language. And this is dealing, that's the focus of the world domination by the Gentiles, the time of the Gentiles. So let's pick it up. We're going to read the first 13 verses, first of all. <clears throat> uh, the king's nightmare. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turn into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. 
No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked a thing, such a thing of his, any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Woo! So in verse 1, we see that the king has a nightmare. He couldn't sleep. He knew this dream was different. It wasn't the usual, I had too many anchovies on my pizza nightmare. It was something much, much worse. Now, dreams, especially in the Old Testament, they were a common way that God spoke to people. I believe he can still use dreams, although far less common. We don't need them as much. We, we don't need them. We have God's word, and that is the most common way that God speaks to us, obviously. But God can still use a dream. Uh, we'll share a little bit about that in a little bit. But we need discernment. If we're going to let, you know, a lot of people have these crazy dreams and try to spiritualize them. You need a lot of spiritual discernment if you're going to try to see if God really is using a dream. It was common in the Bible, especially when God, in biblical times, especially before the Bible was written and they had the Bible, when God wanted to get somebody's attention, we often see God using a dream and they end up with some kind of insomnia. Very, very common. It's especially when God was dealing with a Gentile ruler. Once again, they didn't, have, they didn't have the Pentateuch. They didn't have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They didn't have the, 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 the writings, the, the prophets. They didn't have that. So especially when dealing with a Gentile ruler who was affecting one of the Jews, was affecting Israel. And think of Abraham. Abraham, when, he had, when God used dreams to warn Pharaoh and Abimelech. Remember that? When Abraham, Pharaoh, and Abimelech, two different dreams, two different times. God can get to anybody. God's word, awesome, and it's everywhere. But even a place where God's word is not accessible, God can get to anyone. He can reach anyone. If someone's heart is really open to God, God will reach them. People say, what about that? The, the natives in Africa who never hear the word, if their hearts are open and they're really seeking for God, he will make sure that, they, that they, he reaches them. He will reach his, his predestined, his elect. It will happen. You see that in the book of Acts. The centurion praying and God reached him. The, the Ethiopian in the chariot, God reached him. If someone's heart is searching for God, they will be found. But God can reach anybody through a dream or a vision. You see this in the Muslim world where there's so much persecution and very few Christians and very little bit of witness and the Bible is outlawed. But even there, many, many stories coming out about Muslims putting their faith in Jesus Christ because in a vision, Jesus appears to them. Or in a dream, God appears to them and says, Jesus is my son. Or Jesus appears to them and says, I, I am the son of God. Reject all that you've heard. Follow me. Put your faith in me. Amazing stories of these, these Muslims coming to Christ all over the world. Amazing, amazing. God can reach anyone. So, in verse, he reaches Nebuchadnezzar, the last guy you would expect God to reach. This guy was tough. We're going to talk more about him as we go. He's a mean dude. But in verse 2, he has this dream. He calls his cabinet. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he uh, to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, well, anyway, he's talking to these guys. He calls in his cabinet. This is his cabinet. The magicians, which were scholars and diviners, he called in the enchanters. They talked to the dead. 
They talked to the dead. They were channelers, what we call channelers now. They were, they were sorcerers. The third thing was sorcerers. The sorcerers would cast spells. They would use drugs to get into this induced state. Uh, uh, the stupor, and they would then allow the, 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 the gods, but we know they were demons, they were actually opening demonic doorways to talk to demons. That's when people use drugs. One of the main ways that, that demons get a foothold or even possession in our country today is through the drugs, because when you use drugs, you have taken away your will, you've opened up your subconscious to, to demonic attacks, and that's exactly what they did. They op- don't use the drugs. It's, there's a demonic attack. I don't care if it's pot. No, oh, it's just harmless. Now, listen, I know lots of people deeply affected, not just physically, mentally, uh, and emotionally, but spiritually affected, even by just just pot. So don't touch it. Anything that takes away the, the will and, 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 and weakens that opens up to, for spiritual attacks. And you don't believe me? I got people to tell you the story. Um, lots of them. Uh, then astrologers. Astrologers are... People that would use the stars and try to tell the future from the stars. That's what they would use. Many today doing this very thing, astrologers in the paper, lots of people making these predictions, these, these, uh, People making the predictions, but their batting average is very, very bad. Uh, they wouldn't make, wouldn't be a pro player because of their batting average. Uh, the, but this is the cabinet that he called in. These guys are the ones he called in. And then in verse three, he says, "I had a dream." He said to them, "Not, not, not. I have a dream, but I had a dream." He said to them, "I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means." And then they say, "Well, tell us, tell us what the dream is, and we'll give you an interpretation." Because what they had. In the ancient world, and they even have this now, is they had dream manuals, and they would look it up. And if you had a dream, you look it up what it means. I went on the internet to just kind of see. They still have these same type of things. Uh, common dream themes. You can find out what your dreams mean even now. Uh, the, the most common dreams, sexual dreams. We're not going to go into that. You, uh, flying dreams. Uh, they symbolize feelings of freedom or powerfulness. Falling dreams after flying. You're flying and then you fall. That's fear of failure, loss of control, helplessness. Dying dreams. Dying dreams. Uh, part of you is, is, being, is dying or it could mean you're depressed or in despair. Teeth falling out dreams. I've never had that one. Uh, could be feelings of impotence, uh, fear of losing physical functions, Concern about aging, embarrassment about appearances. Okay, there's lots of different ones here. Being chased dreams. Feel that you're out of control or being victimized or you're going to be caught for something. Nightmares in general can symbolize feelings of anxiety and stress and long-term abuse and blah, 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 blah. So even now you can, you can look up dreams, but these guys had these dream manuals, very intricate dream manuals, and they would look it up and figure out what the dream meant. The king, though, in verses 5 and 6, listen to what he says here. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you, now remember this, cut into pieces and your house is turned into piles of rubble. Cut into pieces literally means to make into puzzle pieces, uh, 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 cut into, well, I'll get to it in a little bit. Uh, let me find that. Oh, cut up 
while alive, okay? The word literally means make pieces. I knew it was something. Make pieces. And the idea is that while they're still alive, he's going to cut them up, chop them up while they're alive, make pieces. That's what the word actually means, like human puzzles. <laughs> and also when you wreck the houses, <clears throat> the picture of that is to turn it into a dunghill, into a public restroom. That's what he's going to do with their houses. So their families aren't going to be able to use them. They're going to be the public restrooms. We're going to, people are going to use them as the dunghill, okay? So that's what he's going to do to them. And he, he's, he's really threatening them here. And his, the king's dream, the king's dream has now become their worst nightmare. Their worst nightmare. Tell me the dream and the meaning. If you don't, if you do, you're going to have these amazing awards. If you don't, you're going to have these terrible punishments. Maybe he's testing them. Maybe he suspected that they don't really know what they're talking about, uh, which is true, which was true. Um, maybe he wanted a new cabinet. He inherited that one from his father a couple years before this. He maybe didn't want these advisors anymore. He wanted his new one. Maybe they've been a real pain in the butt. Doesn't want them anymore. Maybe he really did forget the dream. We're not sure. He may have really forgotten the dream and he was desperate for the answer. Whatever it is, he's not happy with these guys. He accuses them of stalling, trying to buy time. Verse 7, once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king answered, I am certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there's just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I know and I will know that you can interpret it, which is really uh, pretty smart of the pretty smart in our right? Pretty smart. It's true. If you can't tell me what the dream is, how do I know you can interpret it? How can I trust that interpretation, right? So he accuses them of stalling, trying to buy time. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't do it. They couldn't figure it out. They were either deceived themselves or deceivers. Either way, uh, the Bible talks about how... Well, I'll read a verse. Isaiah 8, 19 to 20. Isaiah 8, 19 to 20. This is what Jesus said. I'm not Jesus. God says what God says about it. Uh, 8, 19. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they don't speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. He's telling these guys who are turning to these, these mediums and, and spiritists, just like Nebuchadnezzar was doing, they were doing the same thing in Israel, and God spoke through Isaiah the prophet and says, what are you doing? Why are you talking to dead people about the living? They can't help you. Uh, to the law and to the prophets, stick to God's word and his prophets. That's who have the answers. And and this is that's the thing is they were talking to the dead. You can't talk to the dead. It's a it's a lie. It's a lie. It's not real. A lot of people think that the Long Island medium is talking to your loved ones. No, they're talking to a demon who is counterfeiting, who is mimicking, who's pretending to be someone. You cannot talk to a dead person. A dead person is either in heaven or in hell. The Bible teaches that very clearly. Jesus taught it very clearly. Heaven or hell, you can't talk to them. If you're talking to somebody, it's a demon. If you think you're talking, we're in New Hope and there's the ghost town and it's haunted and all these places are haunted. We dealt with a couple. We actually had to send a couple ghosts packing, but we knew they weren't ghosts. We knew they were demons. We prayed against it. Blood of Jesus, the word of God, power of the, of the name of Jesus Christ. They had to leave. Uh, we could tell you some crazy stories here. Uh, but anyway, 
these are just these are just demonic spirits mimicking or pretending, trying to get somebody interested in, in something unhealthy. So the king, the king, they can't they can't get the answers. They can't talk to their spirits. They can't talk to the dead people. They can't do it. It doesn't work. And so he in verse back to back to Daniel chapter one verse ten. He says, The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. He said, the, These astrologers said to the king, You're asking the impossible for man. But they also alluded, but not for the gods. And we know that there's only one God. The rest are demonic imposters. But not for God, as we will see. And this is the truth. What they're saying is true. They don't have the answers. The world has no answers. These experts of Babylon, the wisest men in the world at that time, had no answers. The world has no answers. It's only God and His Word through His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit. The world has no answers. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, after hours of watching all these experts make predictions and models and come up with a cure, blah, trying to come up with a cure, if it's exposed anything, it's this truth that the world has no answers. And so... He sees, Nebuchadnezzar sees there's no answers. In verse 12, he said, This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. He said, Die! <laughs> he is cranky. He hasn't had any sleep in quite a while. He is cranky. He, he expects results. He's kind of like, remember when George Steinbrenner owned the Yankees? He, he, he wanted results. He said, I pay for results. I expect results. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, they're going to cut them up, make the pieces. We talked about that. Turn their houses into public restrooms. The real, the real nightmare for Nebuchadnezzar and the wise men, then and now, is that they, they have no answers. For those who have Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you have put your faith in Jesus, you know we have the Holy Spirit and we can understand God's Word and it's amazing. We have the answers. We have peace knowing God. But imagine not having that. Remember what it was like when you didn't have that. It's just horrible darkness and void. And when something like the coronavirus hits or anything happens, 9-11, the, 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 the towers fall down, people are terrified because they don't know where they're going to go when they die. They have no idea and they fear where they're probably going to go. They have no idea. They don't know where to get the answers to this life. They're terrified. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. And if you're out there and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I, I know how you feel. We've all been there at one time. But the, the key is to put your faith in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. We'll talk about this at the end here. And, and, and the Holy Spirit comes in and you have peace and you have joy and you can understand God's word and you can see, understand what's going on. It all makes sense. You can see God's hand. You have, the, the, you have God's comfort. Knowing here's our Heavenly Father. We have a peace that passes understanding. And, but they didn't have that. They have no answers. And that's what the coronavirus has exposed. They don't have this. I'm seeing people without Jesus Christ. Friends, family members, family. I'm seeing them. And, and, and the ones without Christ, they are freaked out. They are in 
fear. They are just finally realizing they are not in control. That, that you're, they're not guaranteed the next breath, much less 70 more, 70 years. They are, they are realizing that they don't have a, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And as a result, they have no faith. They just have fear. And I'm seeing this in family. I'm seeing this in the celebrities freaking out. I'm seeing this anger coming out. And it really is coming out because there's fear. They're terrified, terrified. And that's why it's awesome that we can share with them God's word. We can share with them our faith in Christ. We can pray for, offer to pray for them and, and be there for them. And we'll talk more about that as we go. But verse 13, uh, we see verse 13. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So Daniel's and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are rounded up as well. Not, they're not part of the dream team here, but, but, uh, the king is berserk, so he's gonna wipe out all of his wise men. He's lost it, so Nebuchadnezzar's nightmare has also become their nightmare. But, how did Daniel respond? It's a great lesson for us on how to handle a crisis. This is a coronavirus crisis. Great lesson on how to handle a crisis. Let's pick it up with verse 14 where it says, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so, so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Uh, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Amazing. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, which we're going to read there a little bit later. The first thing that Daniel did, and this is the key, is what he didn't do. He didn't freak out. He didn't panic he didn't threaten to sue. He didn't organize a protest. All the, pro, all the, all the wise men, let's have a protest against Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't have to be sedated. He didn't have to get medication from a, a doctor to calm him down. He didn't, he didn't turn to, you know, self-medicating in the bottle or, or, or pot or something crazy. He didn't do that. He, verses 14 to 16, he stayed calm. He stayed calm. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for more time so that he could might interpret the dream for him. For him. And so, he first of all, he asked, he asked, he asked, can you clarify? He didn't get angry. He didn't escalate it. He asked, what's going on here? What, what's happening here? If you, I don't know if you've ever done any coaching, but I used to love to watch Kim coach. She would coach, uh, her girls team. Megan played for her and all of Megan's friends. And sometimes there would be a 
terrible call, terrible call. And, 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 and it should have been a penalty, should be a penalty shot, or they would even cost them the game. And I would be so mad if, if I was coaching, ooh, I would have been out there, right? But Kim's like, go out calmly, talk to them. And it was amazing. A lot of times the referee would like rethink it and, and, and redo it. And even when, even when he didn't, I remember one time he didn't, Still, the president of our soccer club fired the guy. Said, you're not coming back here anymore. Kim didn't get upset. She just explained it clearly. And that was it. And and so she handled it so calmly. And, and it usually ended up, what well, always ended up in a very good result. And she still kept her witness. Uh, not, I'm not, not unlike other people I know. <coughs> but anyway, uh, she, that's, that was, that was the key with Daniel. He, he didn't escalate. He didn't get angry. He just clarified. And then he asked time to find a solution. And he was given that time. And the, the wise guys, the wise men were accused of buying time, but not Daniel. Daniel gave him faith. Not Daniel. God had given him favor, a good reputation. Remember with Ashpenaz, with the food, with Ariok here, with Nebuchadnezzar. What a great guy. God, uh, you know, vital for God to use us to our full potential is that we respond to the, the, these issues the way he did. And Daniel wasn't trying to buy time. He said, I'm going to find a solution. Remember the wise guy said, it's impossible. We can't do it. Whining, right? But that's not what Daniel did. He said, I'm going to find a solution. And see, that's a secret to getting ahead, to making an impact, to dealing with a challenge. If it, They say when you are working for a boss, uh, when you work for a boss, a lot of employees come in and they just complain about the challenge. But they said the, the, the people that the, 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 the um, bosses love and the ones they want to promote are the ones who come in not focused on the problem, but they're focused on the solution. They come in and they tell their boss, I've got a solution for this problem. Those are the people that employers love to, to have come into their office. And that's what Daniel was. He was focused not on the problem. He was focused on the solution and said, I'm going to come up with a solution. Give me time to do that. Not buying time. Give me time to, to solve this. We need more time, not so that we can buy a dream manual, not so that we can get out our telescope and look at the stars, see what they're saying, not so I can sit down with my psychoanalyst and, 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 and get some mental help here or emotional help. No, no. He said, give me time so that God, so I get, can solve this. And verse 17, looks what happens. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He goes and he, he gets the support of some fellow believers, some other people who believed in God. And he went and got their help. When we're facing a trial, when we're facing a hard time, we need the body of Jesus Christ. When we're depressed, when we get down, what do we usually do? Pull back. We isolate, right? We isolate, we, we pull back, we, uh, we, but that's what, that's what we shouldn't do. We should connect. Very important to connect, not to isolate. We need to connect with believers, a trusted brother or sister in Christ. We need to get to church. I know someone who struggles with depression and, and she always tells me the most important thing I do is I get to church. Even when I don't want to come, I get there and I'm so happy I'm there. I'm, it picks me up. It changes everything. And, and she's a, a hero to me because of what she does with that. And, and a great example to all of us. When we get down, we shouldn't pull away. We need to be there. We need to be with our home fellowship. We need to get to our men's group or women's group. We need to get to our men of purity group or whatever, whatever we're getting isolated and getting hit. That's what we need. We need the body of Christ. We also need 
prayer partners, prayer partners, someone who's going to pray with us and for us, which leads to the third step of dealing with a crisis here. Dealing with a crisis, the third step, verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. They, They prayed. They didn't panic. They didn't panic. They prayed. And this, this is the first time in the Bible that we see united prayer. First time we see this united prayer group of, group of couple guys getting together for prayer. Usually Moses by himself or something. But this is the, the first time that we see this united prayer. People getting together for prayer in this way. We're going to see it a lot more as we go through the rest of the uh, the Bible. I'm talking about chronologically the first time. We go right through the rest of the Bible and we get into the New Testament. It's everywhere in the New Testament. Very common in the book of Acts. But the power of united prayer. Even now, coronavirus. We can't always get together. <laughs> we can't get together. But we have Zoom. Lots of Zoom prayer. Our Zoom prayer is blasting off, taking off. We have way more people getting together now for prayer because of Zoom. I think we're going to stick with it. It's so good. But it, uh, you know, at least for our regular, for our Wednesday night prayer group, I, Sunday's prayer group, I think we're going to still get together face to face. But the Wednesday night is working so great. We're getting so many people, even people that have moved away want to reconnect. It's awesome. But, but that, that, that praying together is so important. And look how he prayed. He said, God of heaven. Literally, literally, God of the heavens. That's what Daniel prayed here. Versus the Babylonian wise guys, the Babylonian wise guys, they worshiped the heavens. They prayed to the stars. Daniel's like, what? No, no. We pray to the God who made it, who made the heavens, who made the stars. That's who we're praying to. And he's asking him to do the impossible. He said, this is impossible for people, but God, we know you can do it. They're asking him to do the impossible. God had never before this in scripture given the interpretation and the dream, both before in scripture. This is the first time ever. But he's really, isn't that really what prayer is all about? Isn't prayer really asking God to do the impossible, to save somebody? Think about what takes part in salvation, to change somebody's heart that they come to Jesus Christ and the cross. Sanctification, woo, what a battle that is. Praying for sanctification, praying for help in some way, praying for healing. How many times have we seen these amazing healings as we're praying? That's impossible. Doctors couldn't do it. But we pray for healing and see these amazing healings. That's what prayer is. Another important part of prayer is the final step, verse 19, where it says, During the night the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. The very first thing Daniel did was to praise God. He didn't run to the king. You know, so many times we, we get, God gives us an answer. He didn't go running up to the king. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, no. He didn't do that. I got the golden ticket. No, he didn't do that. He, he is, he, Daniel was more like the guy who scores the touchdown. You see these, these Christians who score touchdowns and right away they go right to their knees and they're praying. The NFL hasn't banned it yet, although they've talked about it, but they kneels down, they kneel down and pray and thank God. And then they jump up and celebrate and then they acknowledge the crowd. That's Daniel at first. He did the most important thing first. He thanked God. He praised God. He praised God. And look what he, look what he praises here. Uh, look how, look at his vision and his praise. And once again, uh, the, this is the, this is the fourth step to surviving the crisis here. Verse 19. 
during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light and dwells with him. Oh, did I go too far? Oh, no. Oh, verse 23. Uh, I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Wow. Uh, he, he, is, he has a vision. God gives him this vision. Why did God have to give him a vision versus a dream? He gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream, but why is he giving Daniel a vision? Well, dreams are for sleeping when you're trying to sleep or are asleep. But a vision is when you're awake. And Daniel was awake. What was he doing? He was praying. He wasn't sleeping. He was on his knees praying. So he, God had to give him a vision. But we're going to look at the vision and the answer God gives him next time. Next time. Today, I just want to finish up by focusing on Daniel's response and, and the priority in, in this response, and that is the praise part. That's the fourth step to surviving the crisis was the praise. Look at the praise here. He, the praises that Daniel pray are actually right from the God's word. They're right out of the Bible. Genesis, excerpts from Genesis, Exodus, Chronicles, Psalms, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. Did you know that? Well, Daniel did. He knew. What, what does that tell you? He's, he's melded together all these different verses from all those different books into a praise for God. What does that tell us? It tells us that praising and praying through God's word is really good, but it also tells us something about Daniel. This guy knew the Bible. He was a young man, yet he, he look, that was the secret to his spiritual impact. He knew God's word. Unbelievable. And that's why I encourage people, memorize God's word. Even if you just memorize one verse a week. If you just memorize one verse a week, which is easy, uh, and, and keep reviewing that, at the end of a year, you're going to have 52 verses. Ten years from now, you'll have 520 verses. Keep going. Nothing will have the impact that the Holy Spirit can just move as you through you with your prayer and your life and your ministry by memorizing God's word. Keep reviewing. Keep praying through them every day. Keep doing that. But Daniel pray, knew the word. And he, look at what he says here. He praises the name of God. The, that means a lot in the Hebrew. It, it, when, when the, the Hebrews named someone, they named them for a reason. The name revealed their character and their nature. And you see, in Babylon, they worshiped many gods. Worship many gods. It matter. Hit them all. Pray, pray to all these different gods. Doesn't matter. Hit them all. I, when I was in India, I remember there were millions of gods. Millions of gods. That's what it was like in Babylon. Didn't matter. Hit them all. Uh, in USA, it's the same thing, only in a little different way. Now we, we say, well, there's, one God, maybe, but it doesn't matter what you call him. You can call him whatever you want. Take your pick. It's all the same higher power. You can call him Allah. You can call him God. You know, the Buddha. They're, they're all the same person. But no, 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 no. It's not. The Bible says, no, it's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's, his name is Jehovah. His name is Yahweh. And that's what we are to refer to them. And someone say, well, I think, you know, the, you know, the Muslims will say, well, I, we worship the same God. I say, okay, well, then pray, call him Jehovah then. Oh, no, no, no. But testing, you know, they, they, they know. They know these guys on, on CNN. Don't get me started. They know. They know. Uh, they, and so they, Jehovah revealed himself fully 
fully through his name and through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. There's one way to the one true God, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's the only way, the only name to the only way to God. That's it. So he says, praise the name. Then he says, wisdom and power are God's. God has the answers. He's in control. He's the only true God. Wisdom and power. We're going to see this when we get to Revelation or Revelation 4, verse 10. The 24 elders now up in heaven fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Chapter 5, verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of voices of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand, they encircled the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and a loud voice they sang, and look who they're singing to this time. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. They are already just saying to God the Father, and now they're singing to God the Son. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The Father and the Son are one praising them together, the same exact praise and honor. And, and we, we see, we see that, that God is in control. He's the one true God. He has the real power. It's not the witches and new hope. It's not, it's not all the garbage we're seeing in the USA today. They don't have the power. It, it's God alone has the power. Daniel's proof here in verse 21, he controls the seasons. He controls the nations. He sets up kings, takes down kings, and he controls that. We say, well, wait, wait. If he controls, what if we pray and vote and a Nebuchadnezzar or or a Jezebel gets elected. What if we do that? Then God is still in control. He's still in control. He, he's still setting that up. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe that's what the church needs is persecution and to, in order to see revival. Either way, whether we, we get the person we pray for, or we get the last person we want, it's still God in control. And he's either, he's got his purpose one way or another. He's got his purpose. We need to be discerning about that. God is in control in Israel. God is in control in Babylon. God's in control ooh, all the way up to the USA today. In our lives, God is in control. Verse 22 is the proof. Verse 22 is the proof of that when we see that God answered the, 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 uh, he revealed the dream. He revealed the dream. Verse 22, Daniel says, he revealed the dream. That's proof that God is in control. The other gods couldn't do it. <clears throat> they couldn't do it. It proves, it proves that God, that, that he was able to interpret this dream that God had given him the power to interpret. And it also proves that he controls history. That God is in control of history. And the same God who helped Daniel helps us today. It's the same God. It's the same God. And the final part of this praise, verse 23, I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. He's praising him for answered prayer. That's a key. That's a key for us in our own crisis. Praising God for our answers, answered prayers. So often in our life when we're facing a, a crisis, we forget all those other answered prayers. It's like God never answered a prayer before. We're panicked. We're freaked out. But we, we forget that God has answered many prayers. And, and also when he answers the current prayer, we got to remember to thank him and praise him for that. We, we need to, uh, we need to, 
like so many times we're like the nine lepers who ran on and didn't thank didn't thank Jesus. Just one leper came back. So many times we're like that. It's very important to keep a journal and remember, write down the answered prayers so you can go back and see them and thank God. I know in our church, God has done so many answered so many amazing prayers and I keep uh, I keep a journal because sometimes we get weary in the battle we get tired out we forget what God has done in our ministry or in our life or in our family we forget about that what impossible challenge are you facing today maybe it's the coronavirus and what it's creating in your life this pandemic this panic the effect of the coronavirus. There's lots of other crises out there, right? We've faced many, many of them. What do we need to focus on? What step do we need to face? Just like Daniel's Nebuchadnezzar's nightmare became Daniel's nightmare, but look how he handled it. It didn't be, he didn't own that nightmare. Look how he handled it. Maybe we need to do the same thing. Maybe God, maybe we need to not freak out. God is working on our maturity so that we won't lose it every time something little or big happens. We don't just lose it. Maybe he, we need to be connected to the body of Jesus Christ, just like Daniel connected. Maybe we've been isolated or isolating, and we need to connect to that person that can help us spiritually or that group or that church that can help us. Maybe, we, like Daniel, we need to hit our knees, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, hit our knees in prayer, realizing the privilege and the power that we have, especially to change us. We go to prayer. The most important part about prayer is it changes us. Maybe we need to praise God. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, maybe God wants us to learn to praise him no matter what, knowing that he's in control. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Have we learned to do that? Have we learned the power of what praising God can do and, and what the transforming power of that? In Acts 16, the Apostle Paul is in, is in prison. In prison. Listen to what it says in Acts 16 verse... Uh, let's see, I'll start with verse 23. I'll start with verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. First of all, they're naked and beaten. Bleeding, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's a pretty bad situation. I think it's safe to say nobody's ever been in that kind of situation. That who's listening today. Uh, so that's what's happening. But then we see here, how do they respond? About midnight, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. They were having a worship service, bleeding, chained to the walls, in prison, having a worship service. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. <laughs> Woo! Wow! Look what happens. They they transcended their prison. They transcended their pain. They transcended it by praising God, by prayer and praising God. The chains came off, but Paul and Silas were already free. They were already free. The chains came off didn't free Paul and Silas. They freed all the other prisoners and woke the jailer up. Woke him up spiritually too. He became a Christian right after this. That, that's, what, that's what their praise 
did. It set other people. It was a powerful witness to everyone else. Are we, what step do we need to be on in this? What step do we need to, to deal with the challenges that we're facing? And maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're listening to this, watching this, and you're not a Christian yet. You're facing the crisis. Maybe it's even the coronavirus, and you have no answers. You have no power. You are paralyzed. And I know. I, I look outside. I walk by people. I see people driving their cars 60 miles an hour with face mask and gloves on. What? Driving 60 miles an hour in a car down a highway. They're paralyzed by fear. I get it in the supermarket. Don't get me wrong. I put on my mask too. But come on. They're paralyzed by fear. They're freaking out. And you are at that place. You have no power. The starting point is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the starting point. That is the key. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus, his death on the cross for your sin, his resurrection from the dead to prove he was a son, prove he was a son of God and to give you a brand new life? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to him? You can do that now. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe you have never... Put your faith in Jesus. You've never given your life to him. You are paralyzed by fear. You have, you have this void, this emptiness. You don't know how to deal with the coronavirus or anything, much less death someday. Life or death, you don't know how to deal with. But you can have peace. You can have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You can have a brand new life now, this very second, that will go on through all of eternity by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The only way to God, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to God, the only way to forgiveness, the only way to do a brand new life is by putting your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. Right now. Prayer of faith starts with a prayer of repentance. God, I repent of my sin. I repent of everything in my life that goes against your word. Everything in my life that goes against what you want, your purpose for me. I repent. I turn away. I walk away. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. My faith in Jesus Christ, my trust, my hope in his death on that cross for me, in his resurrection from the dead for me, I put my faith, trust, hope in him. I give my life to Jesus, my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. 
you've just stuck your finger in an electric socket. You just, you just, you have no idea. The Holy Spirit is now in you. You have become a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. It's something amazing has happened. Your mind, your heart has been transformed. And you are in for the shock of your life. When you read the Bible now, it's going to come alive in a powerful way. You're going to have a peace and a joy that you never thought possible. But I want to encourage you to let somebody know. If you have a family member, a friend who's a Christian, let them know. Talk to somebody. Find a good local church and tell them what you've done. Find somebody. And if you don't have anybody to talk to, talk to me. Because we want to be excited for you. And we want to help you grow. And I want to help you get connected. Wherever you are, if you, you need help connecting, a Bible study or something, email me. nhcc at comcast.net. Email me. Let me know. I will help you get connected somewhere. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how's the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we're facing a nightmare, what the world would consider a nightmare. But are we ready to face that challenge? How is God speaking to us? Maybe he's speaking to us how we react to that. Maybe he's speaking to us about getting connected with a body of Christ, not just showing up on a Sunday morning or watching something, but really getting connected with a deep Bible study or a group of people that can really help disciple us. Maybe we need to, maybe it's getting us on our knees and praying and turning to God in prayer. Maybe it's the praise, learning to praise no matter what and the transforming power and the peace that we can have. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would, each person who's listening to this, they would have never, if they've never put their faith in you, they would not let this day end before they make sure of their salvation. And for those of us who've already put our faith in you, that we would take another step forward in our sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Whatever way that you're convicting us, Father, I pray that you would grow us. And even this, this test, the great test is this coronavirus. How are we handling it? How are we handling it? I pray, Lord, that we would see a, a growth, a spiritual growth and a moving forward in our faith in the midst of this, because of this that you're using. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.